Well, back here with another edition of our Preps Podcast. This is Kyle Nedrip, and again, joined by Logan Hunt of the Mick Network. And uh, we're going to dive into a lot of regional action uh, this week in high school basketball. And Logan wanted to uh, kind of take a step back just a little bit as we start here into the sectional uh, last week. Always a great week of basketball. The sectional week is fun uh, because there's basketball basically all week. And uh, we both spent a lot of time in sectional 10, uh, where we saw the end of the Warren Central run uh, of these last, really going back three years, a lot of these core players had, had played certainly the last two years with last year's state title team, undefeated team, and a few of them even played in that uh, that kind of that first year that got the ball rolling under Chris Byers, a uh, team that went 21-3. and But we saw the end of the line uh, for them on Saturday night against Lawrence Central. And the Bears, uh, we knew going into it, they'd split two meetings this year. Uh, it was going to be a really interesting matchup. And uh, Warren Central had to survive LN the night before, 27-25, in a, in a weird, and we can touch on that too, but just a very weird game. Uh, but then uh, LC clearly, I thought, was was the better overall team on, on Saturday night and uh, kind of a passing of the torch as, as Warren uh, goes down to defeat uh, in that game against Lawrence Central. But but overall, your impressions of sectional 10 and, and kind of what we saw uh, throughout the week at Lawrence North. Yeah, that's a definitely kind of a changing of the guard here with uh, Lawrence Central winning sectional 10. And we say it all the time, sectional 10 is just it, it's one of the toughest sectionals there is in the state. You know whoever comes out of it has a good chance of progressing further into the tournament just because they've been battle-tested uh, that this past week. And with Lawrence Central and Warren Central, we knew it was going to be got a little bit of a coin flip there on that one. I think Lawrence Central is, and as most people will tell you, the better overall team uh, in terms of, uh, of matching up player by player. And uh, A couple players stand out for Lawrence Central. I think Nigel Pack's emergence, we saw him dealing with a little bit of injuries at the end of the year. He looks 100% to me up there on yeah. that floor. It felt like every time Warren Central hit a three, got a three-point play. They were trying to make a run. Nigel Pack will come right down and hit a three right in their face. I mean, they, they were contested shots. He was draining them. Jake LaRavia was draining them. Drake Davis got in on, on some of the action, but dealt a little bit of foul trouble there late, and they still found a way to, to win and, and score without Davis out there on the floor because of LaRavia and Pack. So I think Lawrence Central clearly was the best team in, in that sectional. They've come on a late run. Uh, but nonetheless, we had a lot of fun action. You mentioned the, the night before with yeah. Lawrence North and Warren Central, a game that I'm sure the Wildcats felt like they let get away there at the end. I mean, at one point, Tony Perkins had 12 points by himself. Warren Central had 11. I mean, yeah. it, it, it yeah. wasn't a stalling tactic. Both teams came out and played very, very tough, gritty defense. Uh, there weren't too many bad shots taken. They were very methodical offensively, not too many long threes flying. And somehow Warren found a way. It was a game the officials just let it go both ways. I thought they were very consistent, and they just let those guys play as if, you know, it was it was football out there. I mean, those guys are beating and banging. <laughs> yeah, they did. It was, And I like that. I like that they yeah. let it go. Uh, I think sometimes... Um, you get officials, and in this case, you had officials who are familiar with the area. Um, sometimes in the tournament, you get officials who don't see that physicality normally, and you see every little touch and bump is called, and I think it changes the game completely. But I liked when they let them play, and definitely on that in that game, they certainly did. And kind of a uh, you know, kind of the end of the line, not only for uh, Warren Central. And those guys like Jesse Bingham, David Bell, uh, Isaiah Moore, who came in and had a great year, Jacoby Robinson, um, you know, the end of the line, Manny Brown, who transferred in and had a good year for him. But also, you know, Cathedral, we saw the end of the line for Armand Franklin, James Franklin, and that group uh, as they get beat against Lawrence North. 
and then you know Lawrence North and Jared Hankins, and I think Lawrence North is going to be a team to be reckoned with uh, looking forward. But a lot of great players uh, are done, uh, you know, not only in that sectional but all over the place. But we saw the end of for a lot of them, and maybe you know Armand Franklin. I thought maybe had a chance to get in the Mister Basketball race, uh, but but I don't think with them not being able to advance beyond. Uh, the sectional round, that probably is going to hurt his chances quite a bit. No, it definitely will, but I think Armand Franklin was one of the best players in sectional 10, and his 30-point performance uh, definitely didn't go unnoticed. I mean, he absolutely put the Irish on his back and and was carrying him through uh, in that game against Lawrence North and just came up a little bit short. Lawrence North hit the shots they needed to. They hit free throws down the stretch as well. That that helped them, them finish them off, but... I mean, I saw Armand Franklin hitting deep threes, and he's not even a shooter. I mean, he but he was he was able to hit some long shots. He was able to convert inside his defense. They really didn't challenge him defensively. His one-on-one matchups were great. I mean, I think Indiana's getting a great player, yeah. a guy that can contribute right away his freshman year. I agree. And let's you know, we talk about a shot clock sometimes, and I'm I'm sort of split on. I like watching a game that has a shot clock. I, I do personally. I enjoy it more. I don't like watching games that are stalled and run your offense for three minutes or whatever. Uh, but I also, on the other side of the coin, you know, and I, and I bring this up because people during the sectional, this happens a lot where you've got to win. You've got to find a way somehow. A coach has to find a way. His team's an underdog and they're trying to find a way to win. Sometimes stalling does come into play, and, and we do see it during sectional week probably more than we would uh, in the regular season. It becomes more of a, a, of a talking point. Um, and I'm split. Like I said, I enjoy watching a game that has a shot clock, and I, I would prefer uh, to watch a game that has you know some sort of a – because I think the defense sometimes, you play hard for those 45 seconds or, or whatever the shot clock is, right. you should be rewarded if they don't get a shot off. Um, but on the other side, I understand if, if you're trying to win, you limit possessions, uh, you're playing within the rules of the game. Uh, and if you're running your offense, that's one thing. If you're standing there with the ball in your hip – uh, it's kind of up to the defense to come out and, and play you too in some regard. So I, I can understand both ways. I, I hear from people who, gosh, you know, Indiana needs a shot clock. You see a low score, and it's like you got to have a shot clock. But then I watch, you know, the Ellen Warren game. They really, I'm not sure a shot clock would have even come into play. It was just great. It was great defense, and it was super physical. And both teams were not really hitting shots, <laughs> so it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a game where I don't think it would have changed a whole lot with the shot clock. But I know you're younger than me, <laughs> and, and you probably have a different outlook on, you know, maybe what you think about that. But I don't know. I can see. I, I would, I, like I said, even a one minute shot clock, I wouldn't mind. And I know that's a lot. Uh, but that would keep it from from outright stalling. So I, I know it's not great to, not to have a, a black and white. I b- believe this or that, but you know I kind of see both sides of it as a spectator and uh, and someone who understands what the coaches try to do. What are your thoughts on that? I I agree with you on many aspects of it. Uh, I I know that I I will not fault a coach for for running that type of offense as long as there's not a rule about it. I said every coach is always on a hot seat trying to do what he can or she can to make sure that. That they win the ball game. I mean, and that—that's what they're there to do—to to teach the young, the young kids to how to play. And as long as it's not in the rule book, I have no problem with you stalling. Um, I, I think as a basketball fan, and that's not the style of play that uh, that 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 I would like to see out of there. Uh, I, I would obviously, I'll take an example, uh, Center Grove against you know Franklin Community mm-hmm. or Greenwood and games like that down there at Center Grove and that sectional where. There was a lot of stalling. Yeah. There was a lot of just, is a ball on the hip, just we're going to wait three minutes before we do anything. And 
uh, you know, as a spectator, that, that that's a lot tougher to do. That's a lot tougher to watch. Uh, you know, someone playing keep away mm-hmm. or or stalling in that aspect. Um, I don't think that's that's a true form of basketball. Uh, that that's not that's not exactly the most pure form that I think uh, people would like to see or that the players would even like to play. Mm-hmm. Um, I I do agree with you, and I've proposed a sixty second shot clock just to start. I don't. I mean, I, I don't think we need to have a thirty second shot clock. I've these. These guys aren't college, right? And you know, when sometimes we get clouded here in Indianapolis, just we see a lot of four A teams. We have to remember there are class A teams out there. Maybe we don't have as much talent, and mm-hmm. they're pulling over the can on a team. And remember that you know there aren't there aren't sometimes people who can get a shot off in thirty seconds or less. I think people could do that here in Indianapolis, but not all over the state. So I agree. I think a sixty second shot clock would be would be a great starting point at least to uh, to help these guys to prevent the stalling aspect. Uh, if this is Indiana, I. I the, Indiana is known for corn, soybeans, racing, and basketball. <laughs> you know, I would like Indiana to be ahead of the curve when it comes to basketball. I think Indiana should be leading the nation when it comes to how the basketball is developed. And it feels like we're behind the curve here without having a shot clock. We grow basketball here. That's the motto that the Pacers have taken up, that Indiana has embraced. I think that comes with a shot clock. Well, we'll see how that uh, trans. I-, I would not be surprised at some point if, if there is a shot clock that's been more of a of a talking point more states have started to take on a shot clock there are several who do already um so i you know we'll see where it goes i'm not sure there's a huge push from the coaches association to to want that uh necessarily but i know the players you know when you talk to the players they want they would the majority of them when i talk to them would rather have a shot clock and that doesn't mean it's going to happen uh but but it does it kind of gives you a little bit of insight but you know it just to kind of wrap that conversation up i i just you know, for you know, for what it's worth, I, I just I'm not sure that the games I cover that a shot clock really even comes into play. Right. You know, when you're covering games in Marion County, pretty rarely would I think a 45 second clock even comes into play. So people bring it up a lot, and I'm like, well, would it really even would it really change that much from the games I see? No, no, it, it would not. A lot of teams, like I said, a lot, a lot of times they don't stall. I mean, mm-hmm. This isn't a huge problem, but it's more prominent in sectional times because every team's trying to. But they're trying to get the edge that they need to win and advance in the tournament. You have to do what you need to do within the rule books. So it, it just helps prevent it when it does happen, mm-hmm. but it doesn't happen that much. But it is, I think, uh, an area and a problem that needs to be addressed, and there needs to be some rule you know, in the rule book that can address it when it comes up. But it, it very rarely does. Yeah. Well, let's get on. I uh, just want to touch on that because it was a topic that came up a lot last week. Uh, looking ahead to 4A uh, this weekend in, in regional play, and all these games will be on Saturday. Uh, no Friday games. I'm not sure what you know we're, what I'm going to do on Friday. It's it's rare, uh, <laughs> you know this this kind of rare not to have a something going on on Friday night. But locally, uh, the the regionals will be played at Logansport, Southport, and Seymour. Uh, Michigan City will have a four team. Uh, regional Penn, Chesterton, Northridge, and Munster, and then at Logansport, uh, Carmel plays Fort Wayne Northrop, Huntington North plays Zionsville, and Logan that would set up uh, potentially on on Saturday night if Carmel and Zionsville can get by those opponents, uh, they could play each other. Those teams met early in the season; they have the last few years in that season opener, and this is a game I think that that might might be Carmel, assuming they get past Fort Wayne Northrop and Sydney Curry. Uh, potentially it could be their toughest game before they get to the state finals. Zionsville can really score. Uh, Isaiah Thompson and Nathan Childress, both really good players. Uh, but but Carmel, I have to think, is the, the favorite on the north side of the bracket, if not the entire 4A bracket. Uh, and they will have a challenge up there in Logansport. Sidney Curry's a good player, by the way, a big, big 
uh, six foot eight. He's a he's a a really tough matchup down low. If you think he's not quite as big as Dewan Jones, but he's sort of similar in his size and strength. Uh, so that'll be a handful for them. And then Huntington North, a good team that, that Zionsville will play. But I see that one coming down to Carmel and Zionsville most likely. And uh, I think that'll be a really good game Saturday night. No, yeah, I mean, you hit the nail right there. Hit the head of the nail right there. I mean, Northrop, whether by Sydney Kirby, who's a Miami of Ohio mm-hmm. commit as well for basketball. I said a very big frame, very big body. The offense really rolls through him as well. Uh, that's something that Carmel. Uh, I would like to, you know, have maybe the upper hand on. They have John Michael Malloy down, down there that can maybe neutralize Curry or at least hold him in check. And uh, we know Carmel's offense is tough to speed up, tough to slow down. They're going to play their style no matter what. And, you know, one through five in their lineup can, can all hit threes from outside. They all can score. Uh, I really like the Greyhounds to, to get past that one. And the Zionsville don't have a walkthrough with Huntington North. They have mm-hmm. Hank Pulver up there who can really uh, play ball for, for the Vikings. So, uh, if I'm Zionsville, I'm, I don't want to look too far ahead to a possible matchup with the Greyhounds because I think Huntington North could put them on upset alert. But I would like to see you know Zion or Zionsville and, and Carmel uh, uh, go at it and see you know Isaiah Thompson take his shot at the Greyhounds. You're about to say Zion Williamson and Zions, <laughs> Zionsville. They would have a good chance if they had Zion Williamson. <laughs> but I would say, I, yeah, I think that'll be a really good matchup uh, if it does happen. Um, you know, Carmel. I, I did get a chance to see Northrop earlier in the season. And they, they like to get up and down. I think Carmel's style, though, will be they're going to try to make that more of a, of a slower pace and then pick your spots when you do run and uh, and just really kind of force Northrop to make shots over the top of you, I think, and, and try to pack it in a little bit on them. But I think that'll be – I'm going to actually probably be up there Saturday night uh, if that game does transpire and, and looking forward to, uh, to seeing that game. And then at Southport, which is where I'll be during the day, and, uh, you know, that – you get two games here that are probably completely different uh, of maybe what you expected or, you know, sort of styles of play. Uh, Avon, a surprise team, I would say. Uh, most people probably didn't have them pegged in before the season to, to make it to the regional. Uh, Jeff Holloway done a really good job with that team, and, and they're kind of coming on at the right time right now. Uh, they upset uh, uh, Plainfield, or not? Maybe, maybe it wasn't a huge upset, but they beat Plainfield uh, in overtime uh, to win the Brownsburg sectional. Brownsburg was knocked out earlier by Plainfield, and uh, it took some some a minor miracle with Wendell DeGraff <laughs> making a last second shot uh, to put that game in overtime, and then he hit the game winner as well. And they'll play a New Pal team that hasn't hasn't been here since uh, 2012. So. Kind of a, a couple of new faces and, and upstarts in the in the first game there, and then you know we, we've touched a little bit on Lawrence Central and uh, and Ben Davis in that second game, two Mick teams and two teams that know each other real well. But but uh, Logan, just a really different uh, you know two games I think, and whoever wins that first game I think is just going to be really happy probably to to be in the regional final and, uh, and probably even to make it to this point really. But you know, you kind of turn the page on the sectional title, and then you prepare for you know trying to get through this weekend, and and should be two I think real competitive games on Saturday at Southport. No, you're absolutely right. New Pal is kind of the favorite to come out of that sectional, but Connorsville put up a great fight, and he knew those two were probably the two top dogs there. But New Pal getting out of there for the first time in a couple years, and Avon right now riding high. Plainfield kind of did the dirty work taking out yeah. Brownsburg there, the favorite. And then Avon, you know, like I said, in remarkable fashion, uh, hitting some last-second shots to stay alive and then win it. So they're riding high right now. I think Avon athleticism might be a little too much for New Pal to handle. 
Uh, but then the in the noon noon game there with Lawrence Central and Ben Davis, that's going to be a really fun matchup for those two teams. You know, facing off yet again. Uh, you get to see Dewan Jones in action. He's always going to be fun working inside. And I think the key for Ben Davis is getting Jalen Windham going. He's a microwave. Once he gets going, it's hard to stop. He gets hot real quick. So I think Lawrence Central still the favorite to come out in that Southport Regional. I think you know the kind of the top dog, but. Uh, I, I like these teams to put up a pretty good fight with them. So Lawrence Central, uh, a lot of talk, you know, after the the game that Nigel Pack had on Saturday yeah. night, uh, you know, his teammates I know think super highly of him, and, and he had no turnovers against Warren Central, yeah. which is just amazing. Twenty five points, and uh, I thought the start of the fourth quarter against Warren when he went on that little. You know, he scored, then he hit a three, and then he had an assist to Wesley Jordan, and all of a sudden, it's a, you know, it goes from a close game to an eleven-point game just like that. And he, he's he's really, and this is a good team. Like you mentioned the other names on the team, uh, but but his emergence as a as a point guard, uh, I, I don't know if there's anybody better uh, as a point guard in the state right now. No, absolutely not. I, I've said it from about halfway through the season when I saw Nigel Pack play. He's the best point guard I've seen in the state. Uh, I know I see a lot of you know Marion County games here within Central Indiana too, and but uh, he's he's the best point guard I've seen. He changes the dynamic of the Bears. I saw them face off against Southport at the end of the year without Nigel Pack. He was he was uh, sitting this one out with a little bit of an injury and. Uh, Lawrence Central looked a lot different. It was a lot closer game. They eventually pulled away against Southport about a 500 team, you know, towards the end of the towards the end of the fourth quarter. And Jake Laravia helped them go on a big run. But that team is completely different with Nigel Pack on the floor. Like you mentioned, it the biggest thing is he doesn't turn the ball over. He hits free throws at a high rate. He hits three pointers at a high rate. I mean, he's shooting right around I think 40 percent from three, mm-hmm. and you know, right close to 85 percent on his free throw. So. That's what you want out of a point guard. He gets other guys involved. The assistant Wesley Jordan, that was that was a big time shot coming out to start that fourth quarter, I believe, mm-hmm. for Lawrence Central. I mean, it was the Nigel Pack effect. Yeah. Him being out there, he completely took over that ball game. He was our big network player of the game and for good reason. Yeah, and the night before, you know, Laravia scores thirty one and they kind of trade off, you know, between him and Davis will have big games and uh so they're hard to guard and then Wesley Jordan's capable if he can go out and score twenty on a given night. Most of his stuff's around the basket, but you know, it just they makes them so tough to defend uh, because they have that balance. And you mentioned Ben Davis, you know, Wyndham to me is the key. If if he's hitting uh, they can beat anybody in the state, and if they handle the ball, they've got to be able to handle the ball well, and that has been kind of a, a problem for them at times. But they, they've they also been playing their best here lately. Got a good win over Pike. Uh, they're at the end of the game in in, uh, in their sectional at Perry Meridian and then uh, took care of business against Decatur Central. And uh, I know yesterday I was over at practice at Lawrence Central, and they are uh, definitely take the Giants seriously, and I, I think uh, respect them highly. So... You know, again, two teams who know each other have played each other, and uh, I think this will be a closer game. LC kind of handled them last time. It was I think it was ended up 15 points, but it was even more than that uh, kind of throughout the game. But uh, that was when Ben Davis was on a little bit of a swoon. So I think this will be you know two teams who are playing at a high level, and uh, I think will be a really good game on on Saturday afternoon. No, it definitely will, and that that's always been the question with Ben Davis is. Uh, who who's going to step up and, and, and consume most of the scoring here? Is it going to be Jalen Windham? Is it going to be Dewan Jones? We've seen games where Dewan Jones has forty. We've seen games where he, he has under ten. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it depends on uh, keeping him out of foul trouble, just keeping him in the game, his presence. 
is absolutely crucial for the Giants. And, and we, you know, we talked about Jalen Windham has to get going from outside. Uh, they Ben Day's going to have to hit some three pointers to keep pace with Lawrence Central. They're going to have to find someone to step up and be that third scorer, whether it's Maul, London, Nib, someone from outside is really going to have to hit some big time shots uh, if Lawrence Central's hitting at the rate that they're used to. And then the fourth uh, 4A sec- or regional, uh, Jasper and Center Grove play each other in the first game. Jasper a bit of a surprise at sixteen and nine, and, and Center Grove of course uh, nineteen and eight, and then Bloomington South twenty three and three against uh, Jeff uh, nineteen and five. Uh, neither of those two a huge surprise, although we saw Floyd Central go out in that uh, Seymour sectional. New Albany beat them, and then Jeff- Jeffersonville beat New Albany uh, in the championship game. Uh, but Center Grove probably just happy to you know survive <laughs> those low scoring battles in their in their sectional and 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 happy to move on and get into into this regional where maybe they'll see the another another kind of a slowdown game against Jasper but you know Center Grove has been here twice now they've been to this regional uh, the last two years have been knocked out by Romeo and those New Albany teams and they don't have to deal with that now so that's a that's a good thing for them and I don't know that they're not the uh, the favorite to win this although I think Bloomington South and Jeffersonville both those teams are capable of winning it. Jasper a little bit more of the upstart uh, underdog, uh, but Center Grove I think uh, has to feel good just to kind of get through that that ugly yes. <laughs> sectional where they got slowed down and uh, and just get out of there. So I th- I think that'll I think they can kind of breathe a sigh of relief and, and just go play basketball this weekend. Yeah, I'd say winning in overtime against Franklin Community, a game in which. Trace Jackson Davis scored 25 of the 29 yeah. <laughs> for Center Grove. I mean, put on a, a Mr. Basketball type performance. It's those type of performances that are remembered. And uh, I think the Trojans right now, like you said, bring the sigh of relief just to be here. Uh, Jasper is a little bit of an underdog. That's a game that we thought we'd probably see Castle, mm-hmm. you know, with Alex Hemingway, the Clemson commit, uh, a guy that could flat out score too. Uh, so Center Grove get a, a, a nice lucky draw there with Jasper making its way there. I, I do like the Trojans in that matchup. But like you said, when you have Jeffersonville and Bloomington South on the other side, just because it's not Romeo doesn't mean it's easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, those guys, both of those teams can play. Jeffersonville had some trouble coming up north and playing Carmel early on in the season, kind of as a, uh, a, a similar opponent for Center Grove. But uh, Bloomington South, I said, they might be the team that Center Grove's going to have to get over and get past to get uh, to semi-state for the first time since the 70s. Both of those teams in the second game, Bloomington South and Jeffersonville, are younger, and I uh, wouldn't be surprised to see them again there next year. Anthony Leal is kind of the go-to guy for Bloomington yeah. South. He's a Division One, you know, high major type of guy. And then Trey Coleman for uh, Jeffersonville, also uh, a Division One, uh, high major type of player. So there is still a lot of talent in that Seymour Regional, even though Floyd Central and uh, Castle, like you mentioned, that didn't make it there. Uh, still a lot of star power there at Seymour. And uh, we'll see if Senator Grove can get through. I think that's a you know this is a good opportunity for them. And uh, and really, I think we could easily see three uh, MIC teams still playing uh, going into next week uh, in the semi-state, which which that'll be interesting. As they said, there there's a, a possibility that all the MIC teams could knock each other out in the tournament. Uh, I was talking to someone on Twitter a couple nights ago who brought it up as well that you know I think Center Grove is the deciding factor. I really like Carmel. Uh, to make it to Banker's life. I think mm-hmm. they might be, as we mentioned earlier, the favorite to win it all, possibly. I think Lawrence Central has proven their worth as well. Um, but you know Lawrence Central and Ben Davis will knock each other out now. I think Center Grove, though, has the toughest task out of all the Mick teams remaining yeah. uh, in terms of, of getting there to Banker's life. Well, as we as we go through here, I'm going to take... Um 
you know, I, I think I'll take Penn at, up up north of Michigan City. I like Carmel to come out of Logansport, LC at Southport, and uh, I, I'll take Center Grove in the Seymour Regional, I think, and then and, and maybe we'll see those three uh, Mick teams playing next week. Are you kind of thinking along those lines too? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think Penn is the favorite. Uh, we we saw Valparaiso be knocked out earlier. South Bend Riley was knocked out. I, I do like Penn. And that one, I think Carmel is a favorite as well. I think Zionsville can give them a good run. They, they tend to play well with some of the top teams. But I do like the Greyhounds. I like Lawrence Central as well. I like anyone that comes out of sectional 10 usually will get my vote just because, you know, the past week they've been tested more than anyone else. And, and then I do. I like Center Grove to get it done. They've been in some hard-fought games. They're figuring out kind of uh, how, how to finish games. That was their problem earlier on in the season. And I do like their draw. I think if anyone's going to stop, it would be Bloomington South. And let's look ahead to uh, 3A or move down uh, to that class. And, and there are some really interesting uh, regionals there. Culver Academy is a defending champion there in uh, South Bend, Washington, regional on the top of the bracket. And I think a pretty pretty good favorite to advance there, although there are some good good teams in there, West Lafayette, Hammond, and uh, Hanover Central. Uh, and then the Marion Regional, you've got that. That's a that's a really good one. Uh, Angola team, probably people haven't heard much about, but they're twenty and five. And then Marion with Jalen Blackman, and, and they're kind of getting everybody healthy there uh, for the Giants. They play Angola, and then the the most likely opponent would be Delta, who's twenty twenty six and zero, the only undefeated team in all of the state, and they play Tippecanoe Valley in the other game at Marion. So Delta would have to you know, possibly get through Marion on Marion's home court uh, uh, to stay undefeated and move on in the 3A. And, uh, and that, that should be that, that'd be a really fun uh, uh, regional, I think, in 3A. Yeah, that, that'd be a really fun matchup. Uh, you said Delta being the only undefeated team, I expect them to get past Tippecanoe Valley. But waiting for them would be Angola or Marion. We know Marion can score with about anybody in the state. Angola... I uh, heard a lot about him when I was up at Huntington University. Uh, that was, they were one of the biggest mm-hmm. high schools. I went and saw a couple games, and I saw the trophies that they, they have accumulated over the years. So Angola is not a team to mess around with. Uh, being 20-5, and five, I think they're going to give Marion a uh, run for their money. But it does help Marion being on their home court. Yeah, I saw I saw them play earlier this year. They can really score. And uh, Jalen Blackman, uh, he's got a chance to uh, – he's going to score a ton of points at Marion. He's he's really a good point guard, too, not just a, a flat-out scorer. Uh, and you know that by his last name of Blackman, he can score. <laughs> but he's also a good point guard. Uh, the local matchup in 3A is at Greencastle, where you have Beach Grove playing Greencastle. Attics plays Owen Valley. Edgewood was upset in that, that sectional Owen Valley's in and didn't advance. Um, so Owen Valley's there at 14 and 12. Uh, and then really a good story, uh, Beach Grove uh, loses their coach, Matt English, earlier this season in uh, December. Uh, he had never won a sectional title, and then they go out and do it uh, on uh, on Saturday night, kind of a comeback uh, situation against Manuel. And uh, get to this point, that's a, it's one of the better stories still going on in the state is the Hornets uh, playing uh, in, Newca- or in uh, Greencastle this weekend against the host, uh, the host Greencastle team. Yeah, so you get you get rewarded with facing the host team Greencastle. It was over 20 wins on the season. Feels like they've gotten better and better the last couple of years. That it might be Greencastle's time to to push through and, and make make a run here in the postseason. But a great story for Beach Grove and and for the Hornets there. I mean, it just uh, you know, it's a community that's really tight and uh, has suffered a lot already. But a big win for them. And look down there with Owen Valley and Christmas Addicts. All Addicts has done since Coach Hawks has been there is win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. all that's all they know. Uh, they they could possibly uh, come out of that regional there at Green at Greencastle. Christmas Axe could very well make a run. 
they're 18 and 8, but most of their losses are to 4A teams. They play a really hard schedule, and uh, they lost to Rebuff as well, and they avenged that uh, loss in the uh, in the sectional. As uh, Harold Bennett, you know, he made a big impact for them early in the year, and uh, and really came on here after he transferred away and then transferred back, and then now he's uh, leading that Attics team. And then Greencastle, the Tiger Cubs, they're led by, they. I think they have four sophomores in their starting lineup. So they could be playing in this regional uh, the next couple of years as well. So we'll see. To me, that looks like Attics is, uh, probably is the best team there. But I think Greencastle and Beach Grove uh, would give them a pretty good game on Saturday night. And then you know, look down. Uh, in uh, and also Southridge in the 3A uh, regional got a couple of really good teams in there Princeton and uh, Silver Creek Silver Creek's a team I've seen they're 21 and three uh, another team with some good young uh, players and, and uh, I think it may be their time to uh, to get through in uh, in the Southridge regional 2A locally uh, we will have Monrovia. Uh, against Northeastern at the Greenfield Central section or regional, I keep saying sectional. I gotta get that out of my mind. And then Shenandoah uh, will play Heritage Christian. And uh, Shenandoah, uh, Logan, they beat Howe last weekend in, the, in this championship game. Dave McCullough, the coach there, who used to be at Noblesville for years and years, they're twenty-four and one, and uh, and look like maybe the team to beat there. Although Heritage Christian, very senior-laden uh, team with Andrew Williams and that group there, so that could be a dynamite uh, game. Uh, in the regional semifinal. Yeah, Greenfield Central hosting a nice uh, a nice regional final. They almost said sectional as well. <laughs> and Shannon Doan, Heritage Christian, you hit it right there. I mean, those two teams, uh, uh, two of the best there in two-way, going to battle it off. And Monrovia is having a nice season as well. And gonna, they won't have to travel too far away from home going to Greenfield. So uh, it's going to be going to be a fun matchup between those two. Uh, I'm still I'm still liking uh, Westview though, and uh, all of two-way. Yeah, Westview up in the top there, uh, North Judson, and uh, they play one of the few uh, uh, sub-500 teams. They play Bluffton, who's 9-15 and in that first game. Andrean and Westview, I think that could really be a battle in uh, if they meet in the regional championship uh, on Saturday night. And in the LaPel uh, regional Wabash, their first, uh, region, or first sectional title uh, since the 1960s. That's a good team. I saw them play against Blackford. Uh, they like to shoot the three and really kind of a balanced group. And Frankton, a team that has been around uh, and done it before, really good team. And uh, Covington and Alexandria, that, that should be a really good uh, group there at LaPel. But... And then looking, you know, as we talked about Greenfield Central, Monrovia, their first uh, sectional title last week in 19 years. Max Newman is kind of their big uh, star in the middle there. So you could see Monrovia. I think they got a pretty good draw to play uh, Northeastern in that first game. And then the winner of Shenandoah Heritage Christian uh, on Saturday night, potentially. Those are That's a really good two A's. Two A, in my opinion, really strong this year statewide as a whole. you got good teams kind of all over the state. But I agree. I think Westview uh, still might be the team to beat up there. And then Paoli, Linton Stockton, Paoli, and uh, Southwestern of Hanover will play Tell City. And again, all those teams with over 20 wins. And I think that'll be, I mean, that, that may be the most well attended. I know all four of those schools travel really well and, and we'll, uh, we'll get to Paoli, I'm sure, on oh, yeah. Saturday. Yeah, I really like Linton Stockton as well down there. Rich history there of basketball in the last couple of years, uh, for sure. But. <laughs> when every team twenty one or twenty wins or more, it just speaks to what you said. Two way, very, very wide variety of teams that that have had fantastic seasons. Then you look down in uh, in one A, our local team that uh, is a state champion from last year still alive. Uh, Morristown is twenty two and four. They they uh, lost Hayden Lankable last year to uh, graduation, 
Uh, he averaged about 26 points a game, but they bring back a lot of guys. Logan Laster had a triple-double in the state championship game last year, and uh, they will play in Martinsville against Greenwood Christian, uh, coached by Johnny Marlin, former uh, Center Grove uh, star, and uh, he's back coaching at Greenwood Christian. And then Bloomfield against uh, Metropolitan, Indy Met, uh, as they were known. They won the championship in 2011. Uh, kind of a neat story. They came from nowhere. They didn't even have a gym at the time, and and uh, and won that state title back then. But uh, you know, this uh, this again, uh, really good. I took a little bit of a look at this last night. A good group of teams at Martinsville, and uh, Morris Morristown, the defending champs. But uh, I think that's that may be a little bit more wide open this year than it was last year. Yeah, I think Morristown though does have a really good uh, draw uh, all the way there. Uh, they could run into Bar Reeve eventually, even though. The history there, they've been there, they've done that before. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, that, that could be a major matchup uh, coming later in the tournament. But you got to get through Greenwood Christian first. You mentioned Darling Marlin and the, and the work he's done there already. But I do like Morristown and, uh, and what they've done so far. I still think uh, it all flows through uh, Fort Wayne Blackhawk, though, yeah. in terms of Class A. I, I think that's still the, the team to beat, uh, the Alpha, and they're still in it. Yeah, Fort Wayne Blackhawk is—they didn't have any type of challenge in the sectional, and uh, Caleb First and Frankie Davidson are their their star players. First is a definite Division One uh, type of player, and Davidson going to UND, uh, so somewhat of a local interest with that team at, at Blackhawk. They play Gary Twenty First Century, which has had some really good teams as well uh, the last few years, and that may be their toughest game uh, before they would get to Banker's Life in in reality. And then at Frankfurt North Vermillion, Southern Wells, Randolph Southern, and uh, Lafayette Central. Catholic, and you mentioned Bar Reeve, Logan. They're uh, in a very winnable uh, regional of the Goaty. Uh, Bar Reeve plays Evansville Day, and then Lanesville and West Washington on the other side. So, really good games all the way around through all four classes on uh, Saturday. Where, where are you planning to be for uh, this weekend? Uh, definitely going to be at Southport High School. We're going to have Lawrence Central and Ben Davis, and picking up the nightcap there as well, uh, and the winner of Avon New Pal, and whoever wins that one. So, following the Mick teams along on the Mick Network. There's a lot of action to cover, and uh, again, thanks for joining us on the uh, the podcast, Logan, and, uh, and being part of it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. You bet. We'll be back next week to talk uh, semi-state matchups and recap these regional matchups, but again, Kyle Nedrick from the Indy Star, and uh, thanks again to Logan uh, Hunt from the Mick Network for coming on with us.